worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you let us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the It's Canon Podcast, a podcast where we talk about everything and anything, anything and everything, and the best part of it all is is that it's all in canon. As always, I am your host, I am Boris, and this week I am joined by the one, the only, the relentless, the sleepless, the tired, Phil. Hello everybody. Hey Boris. How's it going, man? Uh, it's good, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, video game week. Lots of news. Yes, tons of news. Tons of news. Tons of uh, good stuff coming out this week. Tons of bad stuff coming out this week. But uh, we're going to be talking about a ton of stuff. So, you know... Right off the bat, I will say this. Thank you for everyone for always listening. Um, this week, we got some excellent responses, some excellent feedback, some great um, comments. Uh, so I want to thank everyone for listening, for taking the time and listening to, you know, to boring guys talk about nerd stuff i never would have thought that anyone would ever want to listen to us but here we are uh, people are actually listening people are responding and i am super grateful that i get the chance to actually do this and make it you know worth your while um i was i've always said that this show i would be happy with just myself listening but clearly it's taken off a little bit uh so yeah i just wanted to thank everyone before we really uh move on uh, the other thing, yeah, I wanted I'll to... uh, echo yeah. that as well. Thanks to everybody for your feedback and continued support. And um, yeah, Boris and I have known each other for quite a while, and it's just really good to be able to share our relationship as friends and and our passions as far as our geekdom or nerdist stuff with everybody. So uh, thanks for everybody for listening in and uh, giving us your feedback. It's really appreciated. It really is. It's really cool also that uh, we can do this uh so um yeah i just wanted to thank everyone before we really got started i also want to talk about the format moving forward of the show um i got some feedback and overall it was very positive where they did like our two-part extravaganza uh so i think moving forward we will be doing that at least for the next few weeks seeing how things are um you know overall and how we feel uh, personally doing you know doing marathon recording sessions and then releasing two episodes so essentially what we're going to do is every sunday you will be getting part one of the it's canon podcast and that part will include all of the news of the week um animal crossing updates chit chat and all the like uh and stuff like that and then the second part will be released on wednesdays at around noon and uh that part is going to be whatever our topic of the week is uh so you know we're 
whether it be the full Geekathon, whether it be movies, whether it be Star Wars, Doctor Who, Harry Potter, um, Riverdale, whatever it is, we're going to save Aww. that for exactly. We're going to save that for part two of the episode. And like I said. We're going to try this out. We're going to see how we feel recording these. We're going to see how we kind of feel having that gap um, between episodes and kind of topics. And we'll see kind of how things progress. But, uh, you know, we did get some positive response over the past couple uh, days over how that worked out. And uh, we're going to try it out. How does how does that make you feel, Phil? Oh, pretty good. You know, um, I think. Having shorter shorter episode times is definitely an advantage as someone who listens to podcasts themselves. I just find that the uh, 45 minute to an hour mark is pretty much magic as far as being able to get through an episode. And sometimes we cover topics or we have stories and, and stuff that people really want to hear. And it takes a little bit longer and uh, it's nice to be able to break it up. And like you say, the feedback was good. So uh, let's give it a shot. You know, if there's nothing else that we are not like, we are very open to playing around with the format and, and making our listeners happy. So, you know, I, I applaud that and uh, I encourage people to give us your feedback on us know if you have any other ideas. Yep. And uh, we'll see how things overall progress. And if things sounds, if things sound a little choppy, which to me, they are sounding choppy in my ears. That is because we use Skype to record and I try to do a lot of magic. I do very little edit um, post uh, record editing, uh, mixing and stuff like that. I try to make it perfect live so that we can get the episodes out quicker. Uh, so sometimes, you know, the internet decides to act, uh, very dumb. Uh, so Skype being Skype, uh, you get a lot of, um, noise and, and, and chatter. Uh, so we'll see, but yeah, that's uh, basically how we're going to try to do the next uh, few episodes. Um, and, we, yeah, we'll see kind of how everything works out. Uh, so before we get to chit-chat, I do want to say a, and extend a happy Father's Day to all of our fatherly listeners um, and to even my own father. Um, you know, it's uh, hopefully everyone gets out and gets the ability to barbecue, get presents, get, uh, tell us what you're getting in terms of geekdom. Father's Day is always a good time to get, you know, that, that movie you've been eyeing, that new toy that you want, that video game that's come out, uh, because we've had a few releases, uh, and one very major release on Friday that we will be talking about shortly. So, you know, um, happy Father's Day. Yeah, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, all the listeners, and uh, to my own dad. And uh, my brothers as well, um, you know, and I know with your brothers, as, uh, your brother as well, Boris, they're all family men. So um, congratulations to all of them, and I hope they have a wonderful day. Uh, for those of you uh, listening, we're just doing this uh, just a little bit before Father's Day is on us. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun day, and I'm looking forward to hitting the barbecue. Yeah, awesome. All right, so I guess it is time to get to the show. So this part, we're going to be talking about all of the news. And then on Wednesday, you're going to be listening to us chit-chat about the brave new world and really theater and movies and what the in-movie theater is going to be like, what production and what we're actually going to be seeing uh, because there's a ton of news, a ton of changes, a ton of uncertainty overall. But we're going to be kind of trying to correlate all the news together and seeing, you know, get trying to have a 
good discussion about where movies are going and what movies will be released and all of the changes in the movie schedules because you know i feel like every week the movie schedules have been changing so stay tuned for part two on wednesday for our chit chat about movies and the brave new world in regards to theater um but uh yeah so this week i guess the big news of the week is the last of us part two was released on friday Mm -hmm. You've had the game for about, uh, I guess at this point, it would be 46 and a half hours, Phil. I (laughs) right now don't own the game. I am waiting for my little nephew to finish the game before I start it. Um, But what are your first impressions? I'll let you kind of talk about it and we'll, uh, yeah. Uh, What are your thoughts? I know we kind of, I've I've tried to avoid talking about it with you so that we can have this chat on the show. But uh, let's let's get at yeah. it. Boris, Boris and I try to avoid side chatter about some of the stuff that we discuss on here on the show. With um, Last of Us 2, it's been very emotional. As a person who played the first game, it definitely ranks in there, pulling you into where you left off and that relationship with Joel and... and Ellie and it's very heartwarming and then it gets really serious really quick. No spoilers, obviously, but the, uh, the game really gets into it. Um, they've redesigned a couple of the systems. I think combat seems to be a little bit better. It's still scary as crap. Like, honestly, this genre is not really a type of game that normally I'm too strongly drawn to, uh, just because I've tried playing it with headphones and I've tried playing it, in my 5.1 surround sound, I haven't put it on the big TV or the big stereo yet. And, uh, it's, it's overwhelming for sound for audio capability because you can actually do a lot of customization and kudos to a uh, naughty dog for the amount of, even on startup of the game, the amount of options that you get as a player to customize the interface and the audio for all of the different you know, different abilities of people out there and the things that they need to tune in order to enjoy the experience properly. Hats off to them for attention to detail on that and really making it uh, accessible. Um, But yeah, the the speakers, everything, just very, very tight. Very, 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 very polished. It's a triple A game and it it shows. It really shows. Um, in terms of the actual gameplay, what's your so are you saying that the your favorite aspect of the game is the sound? I, I'm one of the people that probably would point to it because it will literally scare the crap out of me. Um, like there are audible jumps, gasps, timeouts that I have to take just because of the impact, the audio and the video. Like honestly, it's we say this every time one of these games comes out, you know, when it first came out on the PS3, everybody was in love with the graphics and then they remastered it on the PS4 re-released it, which we talked about last week, that kind of strategy. And yeah, I'm a sucker. I went, I bought it and man, did I ever enjoy playing it again? Right. And the graphics, Oh my God, like this is what the PS4 is meant to do. And then here we are at the end of this life cycle for PS4 going to go into PS5, and naturally, Naughty Dog comes up to the plate with this monster, which I don't even, to be honest, after playing it for a few days now, 
I don't even know what the PS5 is going to be capable of that's better than this. You know, we're talking about decreased loading times and, and, and stuff like that. But I'm like visually, and I'm playing on a PS4 Pro, yes, and I'm playing in 4K. Visually, it is stunning. Like there's no, I, I can't even, sometimes I screw up in the game because I don't even realize that now I'm playing. The cut scene's over. And now I'm supposed to be driving, like guiding the horse or controlling the character. You know, it's it's not like the old days when you had a really high res cutscene of something happening, and then you flip to inside of the wing commander cockpit. You yeah. know, and and then you're shooting stuff. It's it the the stories have evolved to that point, and I know that we've been tracking that right as as yeah. an audience. It's been happening all along, but this is really magnificent in terms of. You know, I guess the way that they hide the loading screens with these vignettes and things like that, they're they're on top of their game for this hardware. This is this is why anybody bought a PS4, yeah. right? This this type of game is them at the apex of development. Naughty Dog is just hitting it out of the park with this. Now, this brings up a topic that I've been kind of following this week because of the announcement of Last of Us Two. And all the releases about the scores, right? Like Masterpiece, 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. All these critical scores. There's a pretty big debate, and I got to agree with some of the people that scores are just bullshit. Like, I know I'm going to enjoy the game, which is why I pre-bought it and why I'm buying into it. But I don't care what anybody says or doesn't say about the game. Ultimately, I'm not here to sell you copies as an audience. I'm just relating my personal experience with it. Um, and I got to agree, there's some some critics that are coming out and basically making this point. Um, Atlanta Pierce and whatnot. And, and they're right. These YouTubers are right. Like It's so subjective. And the industry is so driven around it. And it, I heard a podcast today where they were talking about the fact that because Fallout New Vegas metascored at 74 and not 75, the employees didn't get a bonus for game development off of one point on Metacritic. It's crazy. And that, that's insane. I just, that's nuts, man. That is a nutty, nutty thing to think, you know, that there's so much riding. And I guess it's, you know, the argument is, is that it's a metric. And how else are you going to arrive at? some kind of decision or contractual bonus or whatnot. You need a metric to guide you, but and it's a subjective thing. Here's my thing about um, metrics that can be used by developing managers and owners to give their software workers a raise. And it's the only metric that matters. Units sold and money gained. Mm-hmm. Like, why yeah. does it matter what people thought? Okay, it, so let me clear up my point a little bit more. <laughs> yes, it's important that you release a good product and people are happy about it. But at the end of the day, you know, the metric that matters the most to the company's bottom line, bottom dollar, is their dollar and how many units sold. So, you know, because a review and reviewers are so subjective and you know especially video games like everyone has a different experience um and and books and and food and all of those and movies everything is the same it's all super subjective the fact that people are putting so much stock into 
these reviews it's, it's kind of to me it's absolutely ludicrous you know the at the end of the day the metric that matters the most on my performance as an employee should be you know the company's bottom dollar the bottom line yeah. so that that's kind of where i stand there um especially coming from the software world where i dealt with consumers quite a bit and continue to do so like for me at the end of the day that's what matters to me the most is like obviously you do want to make people happy and and you know but here's the thing when it comes to reviews especially of a game like this and everything that i've read and i've tried to avoid quite a bit um even earlier today i i was at my um, brother's place uh, my nephew was playing the the last of us part two I was listening more than anything else, and I, the sound was great. I thought the animation was great. I thought the textures and the coloring and all this and that mm-hmm. were fantastic, top-notch. But I tried to avoid um, watching a lot of like story-driven parts and cutscenes and things like that. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things that, like, for me, um, it's just, yeah, it's at the end of the day... All that really matters is have you made a, you know people happy. No one will ever deny that the game doesn't look nice. This game doesn't sound like. The game doesn't play well. Everyone's harping on the story. The story and you know where how apparently the game ends is everyone's biggest issue with you know the game, and and that's what's bringing down the overall score and bringing down people's enjoyment of the game. But you know. It's a beautiful looking game. It plays well. It looks great. It, it you know, it, it, it's, it, it gets like 10 scores on everything except the, your overall enjoyment goes down because of the story. That's just a part of the overall experience. Um, so for me, the fact that it's getting or it could get, you know, um, lower scores because of just that one item to me sounds it's sometimes a little crazy, you know. But but with the story, right? I don't know if the objection, and I I've stayed away from spoilers as well. So full disclosure, I know stuff leaked, supposedly. But uh, the explanation that I've heard about from the people who have played it, seen the leaks, were concerned, played the game. They came out and they said the leaks were completely out of context. Right. They said that. Because the the leaks came from somebody who just basically, you know, was removed from the team or whatever and did a canned little, oh my gosh, this happens, this happens. But then when you play it and you understand the arc of the characters and you understand the story better and you experience it, all of a sudden it takes on a different context. Right. So on paper, it may look like it may look bad. But secondly, I think there were some decisions in the game as far as maybe people aren't comfortable with it. Like there are some, you know, I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Ellie is attracted to women, Yeah. you know? And, and I don't know that you know, in this day and age, I don't understand why people would be objecting to that, but um, you know, I just don't know what people's motivations are. And that was something that Atlanta had talked about in her podcast as well, or her YouTube channel was that she remembers reviewing Mass Effect Andromeda, the last, you know, like the one that we all pretend didn't happen, you know, because when we talk about Mass Effect, I talk about Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, and I go, oh my gosh, those are great. I stopped playing Andromeda. Like, I got 20 hours into that game, and I was just like, F this, I'm done. Like, 
It was not compelling at all. I tried putting it in last week and playing it because I'm on that quest to reclaim some of my older games. Yep. Oh, and I, I had to shut that that bastard down because I was like, there's no way I can I can play this. Like it's, And she recalls reviewing it and wanting to make the review that the game sucks, but knowing that there was so much hype around it that if she said the game sucks, she's just going to get trashed on the internet. Yep. Right, and then but then people buy it anyway. They go into the big blowing whirlwind, and then they come out. You know, it comes out that it sucks, and then they get blasted the other way for capitulating to the mass that wanted it to be good. You know, and demanded it be good. So it's a no-win situation for some of these honest reviewers that are just trying to differentiate themselves now and just say. And then and then the indie games. You take a look at that space. And, you know, where there was maybe 30 games a month being released by indie games, now we have 900 games a month going on Steam. And we still have the same number of good indie games. That number's not changing. So people, consumers speak properly. So I guess to your point, right, the consumer ultimately votes with their wallets. And you can be as outraged or upset about it as you want, but it's like buying a CD and not liking the songs on it. Yeah, You go, oh man, but... This is Foo Fighters' new album. It's supposed to be awesome. I just don't like what they've decided. But they're artists. Yeah. You know, the same with Naughty Dog made choices with story. And whether or not I like it or not, I have to be okay with more than just the story. I have to be okay with the experience. I have to be, you know, I, I have to look at it and separate myself and go, you know, at least, you know, I, I know I'm going to enjoy it. So, but at least it's not Mass Effect and drama. Yeah. <laughs> I played about 10 hours of that game and I'm like, hmm, well, it's not entirely for me. Might be for someone. It, yeah, and you know what? If you love Mass Effect and Andromeda, uh, man, you got your game. But just the eyes and the, the uncanny valley in that game made me want to just take a nice, really cold shower, clean myself with the heebie-jeebies because that was, I don't know, the gameplay, everything, and I just was yep. a little bit off with that one. And in regards so, yeah. to some of the like the the negative comments that I've been hearing, like you mentioned, some of it is because of the, um, you know, for the social justice intentions that the game is having. A lot of people feel that overall, the gaming industry, the comic industry, is shoehorning social justice issues, social justice warriors, into um, pop culture, you know, and and just for the sake of 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 it, you know, a lot of people. Um, tend for whatever reason have issue with that Um, you know one thing though my counter argument there and this is what I've always said is that um, uh, having characters that people can relate to is super important having well written characters that people can relate to is super important there's a difference between having new characters and new stories you know um, having that representation for others that don't aren't you know that could be a minority that could be in the LGBTQ community that could be whatever whatever it is whatever social justice cause you want having good well written characters and stories is one thing but then there's the flip side of where I kind of I'm not gonna say I don't like it but where I've seen it kind of go awry is when it gets shoehorned into pre-existing characters and it it you know it, it kind of stands out like a sh- like like a sore thumb like it it's just there yeah and 
things have changed to the core, you see. So, but having representation is is great. You know, having people that that a new audience can look up to, a new audience can say, "Hey, I've never seen a character like me on the screen or like me on this page," is super important. And you know, it's and there's nothing wrong with inclusion, but so I understand why some people sometimes feel like you know it's it's social justice warriors and things like that are 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 ruining so much but on you know at the same time representation is so important but i think there's the balance is how do we get representation and these social issues into pop culture i think a lot of people have issue with it you know a lot of people just have issues with change a lot of people have issues with out of the norm. A lot of people, again, have issues with changes to their characters. Um, you know, DC New 52 introduced a lot of us, uh, and, and Marvel uh, over the past few years have introduced a lot of changes to uh, existing characters. And I, 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 that is where it gets a little dicey. But if people were to create new characters and have them do whatever and be whatever and and have those characters as whatever you want them to be, that's fine. You know, representation is super important in today's world. You know, it's it's it, just because, and it's kind of like the whole equal rights thing. We're not taking anything away from having these characters in existence. <laughs> I feel like some people, like, th th there's only so much... Um, so many pages in the world of comic books, and by having these characters that have additional representation you're kind of taking away from existing characters that's not the case they can all coexist they can all co-mingle um you know yeah but I'll, I'll say this about that comics are really dangerous for this because yes. comics can be written relatively quickly or changed relatively quickly yeah. and all, all we're doing at that point is adjusting art and compromising story in order to fit a narrative or an idea i think with video games and movies if people think that some of these things aren't debated or discussed with the creators for years. Like we're talking last of us two was a six year production cycle yeah. for a project. Like these were early on decisions that were made, whether or not they fit our world today, they were committed to them, you know, and, and people have to put that in perspective. Cause I've seen a lot of stuff on the internet where people are just like, Oh yeah. Do you really think Naughty Dog went out and just made this controversial decision and re-cracked the entire project yep. at some point recently yep. to fit a narrative? It, it's it's just fantastic to see uh, the delusion that some people have surrounding the industry. And I'm not an insider by any means, but I do know production life cycles. I do know, you know, enough about business and enough about creative content that you can't fake some of this stuff. And when you do, the audience knows and the audience will call you out on it. Exactly. You know, exactly. You can't fool people. And, so, and, that's and you got to, and you do have to be careful exactly like you say about pre-existing characters making massive changes. Now, if you make a lot of changes, you have to introduce that as a change to the entire universe. So not only is green lantern going to have a different lifestyle, but maybe other characters as well. Yeah. And, you know, have a plan about what you're doing and make sure that you're going back and checking two, three times that that's the right thing to do. And that's exactly it. You know, representation is a good thing. Uh, I think that sometimes 
sometimes, yeah, creators may have shoehorned something in and they're going to be called out for that. And, you know, just because a character is different from the norm and we get that representation doesn't necessarily make it a good thing per se. So, you know, it's kind of kind of having to play the ultimate balancing act, you know, but from a consumer point of view, I hope people realize that these decisions are not made lightly. You know, they oftentimes they know that they're going to alienate a certain subsection of their followers. So these decisions are not made lightly. But at the end of the day, this is what inclusion and representation is all about. And that's all we can ask for, especially in today's world, in today's society, seeing everything that's going on with the world. Why can't we just all get along? I don't know, man. It's just a funny world. It is funny world sometimes. I think I think a lot of it has to do with social media too. There's oh yeah, platforms for everybody, and it's fun to have an opinion. Yep. But uh, you know, tough places for a lot of creators. But there's lots of opportunities there too to attract new audiences and to appeal to different people that might not have the opportunity previously to enjoy on that level like you pointed out like yep. just being able to say hey look i look up to this character because i can relate to them better now and that's important to me so yep. yeah inclusion's good yeah yeah well you know it's inclusion is good we are going to leave that at that so anything hey i'll any... bring something up here yeah um i just want to commemorate ian holm passing yes uh, i was going to actually Bilbo. bring that up yeah, I figured you probably would. Uh, he Go was ahead. big time in Alien as well. Uh, he played the android. Um, uh, what an impactful actor. And you know what? He's one of those guys that slips through the cracks for me where I read the news and I was just like, ah, well, Ian passed away. And oh, and then I saw the Bilbo references and I'm like, oh, yeah, he played Bilbo. And then I thought about him in all the other roles that I've seen him in. And I just thought, man, that's a pretty big one. That actually is a pretty big passing yeah. for, for the geek um culture the fantasy the lord of the rings the sci-fi stuff it's he's been a real hallmark in there he was never a you know a full-on blown full-blown leading character per se but he played very important roles in huge franchises mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so, so super uh, sad news there my condolences to everyone about that and uh yeah i was a little bit shocked about it yeah yeah so, um, you know, the other thing, some of the other major news that has been coming out, I think is something that, you know, I was debating whether we should talk about because I know sometimes we get a little heavy on this show, but, you know, I th- how can we avoid this stuff sometimes? Uh, so I kind of wanted to bring it up and, you know, I think that this week the pop culture world has seen tons of stories about tons of people, a lot of surprises and really, you know, depressing and saddening and angering um, because, you know, going back to why can't people just get along? Unfortunately, some people are still not getting the message. People are still taking advantage of other people. People are still not listening to no or wanting to understand what no means. But over the past week, we've seen a lot of accusations um, being tossed and be and stories being shared of you know survivors people who have had their experiences and were scared to speak out because you know these are 
they're being taken advantage of by their superiors, by their idols, by people they looked up to, people they never thought that would ever do anything to them. Well, unfortunately, oftentimes, they got hurt and were taken advantage of. Um, and, you know, people always say, why don't the accusers come out earlier? You know, it's we can't put ourselves in that situation and that mindset you know oftentimes these things happen and they're still manipulated for so long afterwards they're still scared to come out because you know especially if we take a look at the comic book world and the wrestling world you know these are people's teachers who are taking advantage of students you know and these are people who have friends in the industry and you don't you know these people are essentially saying if you come out and you say this you're going to be blackballed you're not going to make it this is the only way that you can make it in the industry and you know you're going to have to listen to me or else so that's why accusers tend not to come out you cannot ever ignore someone speaking their story the truth will come out eventually if someone is making up these stories the truth will come out if someone ends up, you know, five years after the fact, has something to say about someone, the least we can give them is a time of day so that we can listen to their story and find out the truth. So what I'm really referring to is earlier in the week, we've been seeing a lot of allegations, um, you know, especially here in Toronto, uh, a very famous Toronto comic book writer and artist, Cameron Stewart. Um, there were a lot of allegations thrown his way. Um, and you know, there were, it was one of those things where a lot of people in the industry kind of had suspicions or knew that something was happening. And that kind of makes this a little stranger because, you know, it's kind of like how many people have to know that something is going on, but these little boys clubs are still standing and no one is speaking out. No one is helping the accusers. You know, it's it's going back to kind of like the whole everything that's happening in the States. You know, the whole George Floyd thing and the cops, the police officers who didn't help George Floyd when he was being murdered. You know, it's kind of, you know, I personally, I equate it to that. They're just standing by and they're not doing anything about it. Yeah, and sometimes they're enabling it. They're enabling it. And sometimes those silent people are just as guilty as the person actually doing the misconduct. So, you know, we've seen here Cameron Stewart was removed from some DC projects after misconduct allegations. Um, and then, you know, and that, that really rocked the Twitter world in the comic book world. All of Tuesday and Wednesday, Twitter was going pretty crazy about this and people were sharing their stories. And, you know, unfortunately, some very big names in the comic book industry are being, you know, taken down, for lack of a better term. Outed. 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 Yeah. This is all about Me Too, right? Like, this is, and rightfully so, and exactly that, to your point, is people are being exploited, and sometimes they don't even know they're being exploited. Exactly. Right? It's people using the positions of power and leverage to keep them quiet. And the most disheartening thing that I've seen about all these stories is exactly that. And it, it's come out in the video game industry as well. Um, the fact that there was a whole bunch of people who knew about it, who were enablers, and decided, well, you know what? I've, I've worked with that guy for years, and I never heard him say anything weird or do anything like that. You know, like, so I'm, I'm going to stick by him. 
and despite the fact that they've heard that from multiple people and there's also screenshots of messenger and things like that of absolutely atrocious suggestions to women in these industries and just in order to leverage their career while you know do this for me and i'm going to do this for you it's disgusting it is outright shameful behavior it's predatory it's people exploiting other people and it shouldn't be happening so i'm i'm glad that the world is waking up a little bit not as not as much as it should but at least there's people are able to talk about it now and at least for the discussion to happen you know we saw this ripple through the comedian end of things uh, you know not long ago yeah. in terms of this type of shameful celebrity behavior and now we're finding out that it's happening on these other levels yeah like this you know and it's no surprise it yeah it's tip of the iceberg that's exactly it you know when the whole me too movement started it literally was a tip of the iceberg like you said it hit the movies it hit comedians this week alone we've seen it hit um comic the comic book world on earlier in the week we saw it hit wrestling and the hashtag speaking out a phrase was huge um you know the independent wrestling scene and absolutely atrocious stories are coming out um and these stories like some of them are you know 10 15 years old um in regards to how long ago some of these things happened but people are finally finding the confidence to come out and speak out and oftentimes it's trainer trainees in the wrestling world the wrestling world is one of those worlds that's a very tight-knit group. You know, it's, it's it was the boys' club. It was, you know, what happens here happens here. You're not allowed to talk about it, and that is it. But I think a lot of people are seeing the changes and getting the confidence to speak out, and the entire wrestling world is being rocked. Uh, it, even WWE, WWE has been forced to release some wrestlers, and I'm sure that we're going to be seeing more wrestlers released. Um, we've seen... For example, Jimmy Havoc from All Elite Wrestling, AEW, uh, go into a program. You know, I hope that he finds, gets better, does whatever he has to do, but that still doesn't take away from what he's done. Um, you know, and, and I hope that, again, just like the comic book world, people listen to these stories and something is done. And Phil and I, right before we started talk, um, recording, we were talking about this, even hitting the video game world. So, you know... Every industry is going to have their day, and I just want to want people to know and want people to you know just I I can't even imagine or put myself into those shoes of holding something in something so major in. Um, but there hey, are let's people... let's just put it in perspective here so people can understand the scope of this. For every person that comes forward and makes uh, uh, one of these exposés. There's probably five other stories in that person's repertoire alone. Yep. And then you probably have other people who aren't even in the position that may have moved on to other industries, got discouraged, whatever, and don't and, and haven't even really revealed that this kind of stuff has happened. Exactly. Because these are patterns that are self-repeating for these types of people who are looking for this type of exploitation. So it's it's really prevalent. It's important to hear people out. Um and and understand everything and to investigate and get to the bottom of it. The truth will come out. And, you know, I, it's just a shame. I'm, I'm ashamed as a male that some of this stuff is happening to women because, you know, I was never brought up to be like that, but I don't know that people are, 
I don't know where it comes from. I, I can't claim to be a psychologist or, or have any great in-depth understanding about how stuff occurs, but it's shameful and it really shouldn't be happening. You know, like these are creative industries that should be based on people's ideas and people's creativity and people's art and not about sexualization and, yeah. and, and exploitation and things like that. And unfortunately as well, I think I'll go back to a theme about just the whole idea of being an influencer or whatever. People are so desperate to get recognition through social media that I think they, they get taken advantage of sometimes, you know, and that goes back to that poor girl, um, who, who killed herself in the wrestling and, and things like that. Like there's a lot of sickness around this type of stuff and we have to be better at policing ourselves for it. Yeah, exactly. So like I said, it's, it's unfortunate it heavy. things like this have to happen or, and they have happened, but I hope that people can get their forum and get their day and get their voice heard. Yeah. Agreed. Right. So last week we were talking about the PlayStation five release and we were talking about, you know, that, that awkward gray zone when games are still coming out for the previous generation of console, <laughs> the new console comes out and what uh, studios are going to be doing. So we're starting to get more information about, uh, you know, what the uh, third party app developers are going to be doing. Um, and, you know, EA re- released some information uh, yesterday, Friday, uh, in regards to FIFA. 21 so the official release date for fifa 21 is october 9th it will be released on playstation playstation 4 xbox one and pc via origin and steam however they also announced that you will be able to get an upgrade for free for the next gen with your fifa purchase oh how big their hearts are (laughs) <laughs> oh, I openly, you know, like, I'm sorry, I'm going to call this out. It's a bullshit that it is. I know. All right. And we haven't talked about this, but I can tell you right now, I I watched something that amped me up last night about loot boxes. Yep. All right. So now the lawsuits in Los Angeles and I, I'm taking this careening truck into a different direction. So everybody stick with me. Um, loot boxes are being prosecuted in California now, Apple headquarters, because they're going after Apple for enabling these games to be out there and to be exploiting children with this gambling thing. And this might actually stick, all right, because of where the lawsuit's filed and where the headquarters are, all right? So all of this stuff is bringing to light the fact that EA makes $800 million a year off of the add-on buy-ons for FIFA, all right? That's a lot of money based off of the product that they probably sell, right? Like, I don't know what their revenue sales are on the actual physical copies, but it's pretty damn obvious that if they're getting nearly $1 billion worth of revenue on their bottom line from add-on sales, that the add-on sales, oh, and they're going to give us that game for free so we can buy more and consume more? Like, it's the same model as Fortnite. It's the same model as, as everything right now. Just get it in your hands and get your credit card number. You know, and we all resisted it at first. And guess what we're all doing? We're giving them our credit card numbers. We're giving them our financial information in order to get the outfit in the game or to get the newest loot or to get whatever. So that's how these models work. 
and EA is in a transition point because they can't make a AAA title. Even look at that new Squadron game, the Star Wars one. It's going to yep. be 40 bucks. It's going to be 40 bucks and it's going to have VR capability. It's going to it comes out of the gate with so much for $40. I never thought I'd say EA drop a price point of initial release to $40, but it's the way that the, they're trending right now and because you know, they're trying everything to get off the hook and look as consumer friendly as possible because they're completely consumer guilty on the exploitation front. Yeah. Yep. You know, I, I'm, I'm just going to call it out there. You know, you give me, you give me the newest Assassin's Creed or whatever, and it comes out for PS4 and you automatically get Vikings for PS5. Okay. Maybe I'll clap that. I know there's still the same kind of stuff in there, but maybe I'll clap that because it's largely a single player game or whatever. Uh, some of the other studios, like obviously this week was a baited Microsoft response, right? So Sony come out and make a big splash about the PS5 and give us a visual. Don't give us a price point. Don't really give us any more information other than titles, which is their strength, right? Developers and titles. And some of them are cross-platform. Agreed. But they, they come out, they do that. Then they do damage control on some of the Spider-Man stuff. They They kind of try and fix some of the misleading things that, that may have been taken away from, from the presentation because there weren't a lot of words around some of that stuff. And then Microsoft immediately, you know, rumors come out about a discless Xbox Series X or whatever it is, the newest thing. And it's going to be much cheaper and undercut the price of Sony, which is, again, speculation. But then Microsoft go to bat about, oh, our entire catalog is going to be backwards compatible. Oh, really? You told me that with the Xbox One and it took you like six years to basically convert like one quarter of my games library from 360 over to it. Like, why the hell do I want to play SSX Tricky now? Honestly, you know, there's so many other games out there, so much competition, and trying to make the box relevant now yeah. is really tough. But good for those people who want a game. Like, for those Crimson Sky lovers, go at it, man. You know, because I don't think they're really interested in developing a new high res or. UHD version of it. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, so that's my hot take on that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's I'm going to bring up a topic here. Yeah. New Lego sets announced for summer 2020. Go ahead. Star Wars. Um, they're coming out with Return of the Jedi, the saber battle at the end with the Emperor in the chair, and I think Boris might be heavily interested in that, but maybe I'm missing the mark on that, but it is a great way to get it's a remake of an old set. It's a great way to get that set. And it actually, here's for the whoa, Lego whoa, whoa, people. Whoa, 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 You're accepting a remake? Yeah, I'm accepting a remake <laughs> of that. Yeah. Because it's been so long out of production. You know I'm going to call you out every single time that you yeah. mention remake and reboot. You're allowed to. And say excited. But here's 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 the, the tweak that sets me up for excitement. The fact is, is that Darth Vader has printed arms, which doesn't happen. Hold often. on, Darth Vader has what? Printed arms, so that you can actually see the lines of his suit on nice. the minifig. Nice. Doesn't happen often with Lego. Like it generally progresses from body to dual-moded legs, molded, um, dual printing stuff like that. There's different techniques that they do. But to make a set special, sometimes they, they change it up by really modifying the minifig. 
you look at any UCS, they'll do ARM printing, things like that. So I think it's going to make the set a little bit hard to get after after a while. So it might be a good one to take a look at. Um, they're also creating a 501st battle pack, which a lot of the fans asked for. Um, it's an homage to basically the 501st uh, troop regime that does cosplay for Star Wars. Um, so for them to recognize and issue uh, an actual battle pack for them, I have their previous set with the Walker, with the 501st sticker and the and the 501st trooper. So this is 501st or, or Anakin Skywalker's uh, clone troop. Yeah. So that's that's the the history of that. And there's going to be a famous reissue of the Adat set. I think that it's going to be overpriced. But it's there for people who want to get an ad at in their Lego collection. Very cool. And what is the release date for these sets? Is it the fall? Throughout the uh, fall? We're looking at, I believe it's August, August 1st. It's going to come with, um, there's also Mandalorian with a Baby Yoda minifig that's going to be released on August 1st. That that's one leaked at one. the beginning of the year. Yeah. And uh, just on, on that topic, actually, Mandalorian, I checked out the Disney Gallery this week and. There was a lot of interesting talk about uh, just production and whatnot uh, with The Mandalorian and um, some of that behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, very insightful show. I recommend highly that you check it out. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it for you or anything, but uh, it's actually proven to be a really good companion for some of the inside stuff. I know we talked about it last week with uh, uh, Dave Filoni having the Go Train shirt on it. Uh, this week, he, there's some good stories from the table, from the round table there about uh, with John and, and and Dave that I, I thought was really insightful towards production and, you know, the show in general. La- last week's episode was music, which was really good, too. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so, really behind on that show right that now. Stuff yeah, I'm really behind oh, on it, that show it's, right now. The music, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something that kind of shocked me, because the guy did it with, like, a recorder, this alto recorder. And that's the sound that you hear because I was trying to figure out what the hell instrument is that, you know that do 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 do, and oh man, just seeing him do it and play it and break it down in his studio was just amazing. And it's the guy who did, I believe, the Black Panther soundtrack. Oh, very cool. So, yeah, it, it's a lot of talent, man. A lot of talent around the show. It's great. Very cool. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, a music break, uh, because you know we are based in Toronto. And it's not just a Toronto podcast. We, you know, we we really like highlighting artists and their projects and their work. And this one came by a listener, um, and you know, they sent me their song. They're like, "Hey, you know, you can use this for breaks. You can use this on the show." Yada yada yada. Um, I actually asked them uh, if I can use it for the show. So, and they said, "Sure, they, we can use it for the show. We can use it for breaks, but whatever." So I. Uh, wanted to kind of highlight this band so the band is called love under fire love under fire are a husband and wife musical duo formed in the heat of the covid19 quarantine here in toronto their first release swamp thing is a sum of all their influences swampy blues rock indie pop with an alternative grunge sensibility Love Under Fire, along with the producer and audio engineer, Kevin O'Leary, are donating 100% of their Bandcamp sale proceeds to African food baskets, helping black families and people in need that have felt the greater effects of COVID-19. We will be adding the link to their Bandcamp so that you can donate 
um, and uh, pick up a copy of this song. But you can also listen to this song on Spotify and anywhere that you can download and stream music. So here is Love Under Fire, Swamp Thing. Love Under Fire, Swamp Thing, local Canadian Toronto band. Uh, you, I will check, um, put up their link for their band camp. You should check it out and donate if possible. Really cool tune. That was very cool. Yeah, yeah. So anyone yeah. who and has... And you know what? I'm going to give a shout out Bandcamp as well because I know that through my listening experiences to Indie 88 and... Uh, Q107, but mostly through Indy88, Lana Gay. She's a big proponent in this band camp, and I've checked it out, and it's a really great way to contribute towards a lot of important things that are going on in our world. So I'm really proud that uh, bands are stepping up like this. That's great. Yeah, it's always really cool. And, you know, any any band doesn't need to be local. I always love to promote the local bands, but any 
any band in general, any artist in general, send us your work. We will obviously put it on the show in some shape, way, or form. We are just another place where you can show your skills and we can all share content together for the bottom line and the greater good. All right, so... Uh, We've talked a little bit about video games, you know, something that we barely talk about during the news, and that is comic books. But some big comic news, depending on what circles you are, have come out. Um, So, you know, the biggest plot twist for the Walking Dead comic book, at least, came out in 2019, when issue number 193 actually was the unpublicized series finale. Uh, So, you know, that was that for the Walking Dead. Until now, when Robert Kirkman and Charlie Adlard are going to be releasing Negan Lives Number 1, a new standalone 36-page special focus on the fan-favorite villain. This is a one-shot issue, and it's going to explore what happens to Negan after his final uh, final appearance in 2017's The Walking Dead Number 174, with the story taking place sometime during the time gap introduced in issue number one. 93 so for the walking dead comic book fans you will be getting a new book negan lives one shot and that is due sometime this (laughs) he's looking it up badly folks yep Yep. i can see the steam coming out of his ears exactly i had it right in front of me and then i uh i touched it and then the screen went. I touched yeah. it. Yeah. And then the screen went boom. So Negan lives. It's going to be well, really cool. It's co- coming up soon. Yep. You know, and you know, a lot of the comic books um, to that point starting to filter through. I know Dark Crystal Age of Resistance finally came out number eight, I believe. Yep. And uh, so a lot of the comic books are finally starting to hit the stores and hit the digital shops and whatnot. So uh, it's great to see as a, as a comic fan. I know I chased down some of the weirder stuff. Um, but, uh, I always enjoy graphic novels and, uh, you know, good self-contained stories. And, uh, I've fired back up a few of my apps to reclaim some of the Star Wars stuff because I know that I'm a big Canon fan as far as that goes. So checking out some of the Knights of Ren comics and, and, nice. and stuff like that. So those are, those are things that I always hoped as a fan and following that news, Hey, Star Wars kind of came out and there's some leaks that came out this week about the whole idea that the universe is going to actually start making sense. Yes. Like some of this content is actually going to start linking up the way that, you know, the fans have been asking for, for so long now they're actually committing to it or, you know, behind closed doors committing to a lot of the, the content on the shows linking up at later times. So it's going to start feeling more like the Marvel universe in star Wars, which I think is the whole Kevin Feige. Yeah. Kind of getting in that seat. Um, but I'm hoping that it links up properly to the novels and to the comics yeah, and whatnot. Because... And basically that's something that we talked about a few weeks ago on this show. And it's kind of the whole notion and idea that all these shows on Disney Plus, you know, we have Mandalorian, we have Clone Wars, we have Rebels. We have um, a few shows that are, have yet to be introduced and announced. And there's a lot of rumors about the Obi-Wan show and whatnot. And somehow all of these are going to kind of intertwine and make sense. And that's probably 
probably why we've been getting more and more news about Mandalorian casting for season two, because I can see we're kind of seeing how this world is progressing and growing, and we will hopefully start to see kind of how all of this puts um, be put into the larger Star Wars world and kind of see how um, the Star Wars world can grow. And it's so refreshing to see the Star Wars world grow without the Skywalkers being front and center. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's <clears throat> it's fun, you know, in watching that Disney Gallery show this week, uh, some of the things that did stand out to me was uh, some of the the cameos that Dave Filoni and the other directors did chow and whatnot. And she's in charge of the Obi-Wan series. Uh, uh, so she did two of the episodes in Mandalorian and, and she's obviously of Mr. Robot fame. Um, so she's in charge of, of that whole Obi-Wan thing, but they actually hijacked the X wing that was going to go to Florida for a Disney thing. And that's the cockpit that they used. And it was just really interesting to see some of that stuff, the behind the scenes uh, uh, stuff that they do on that show. And um, yeah, it's exciting times to not have Skywalkers. Yeah. For me, anyway. It's funny because, like, thinking back about the previous canon of Star Wars, the best stuff was all of the non Skywalker stuff. And it's kind of seeing yeah. the exploration of the Sith and the Jedi and kind of the ongoing war between the two sides and sometimes civil war between well, the one side, like one yeah, side. Yeah, Drew, Drew Crashman, I believe his name is. He's an Edmonton, Edmonton-born writer. He also wrote Mass Effect, exactly. like yeah. the actual yeah. one, two, and three. And uh, he, he really got in Darth Bane and the Darth Revan and, st- and, and stuff like that. And he later went on to write for that Star Wars MMORPG game that we played years ago. <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, it's, it's too bad. I haven't heard much from him lately, but um, when he was on his game, man, some of that, th- that stuff is still, I know that some of the characters have become canon uh, as far as their inclusion in Clone Wars and whatnot, but some of those books should be claimed back from Legends or at least reintroduced. And hold their essence together. Yep. You know, I, I get the idea of like I really liked reintroducing Thrawn or introducing Thrawn into that time frame that they did instead of using him like Heir to the Jedi or you know all, all those great Timothy Zahn books that came post Jedi that really expanded the universe in the first real foray into that that scape. But Thrawn was a real standout character, and the way that they were able to matriculate him in, and there's obviously rumors that there's going to be a new animated series about. Thrawn and Ezra and their further escapades so and, and you know Ahsoka being introduced in Mandalorian possibly live action obviously um, there's just a lot of characters that are coming to light that we can see they're mining those legends and they're 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 advancing some of the favorite characters from Clone Wars and whatnot and there's never a mistake right like these these are legitimate awesome characters with great arcs that we've spent a lot of time with now in a lot of cases you know what the fan base right now has spent more time with animated Star Wars than live action Star Wars. So it's accessing a whole new audience. And that's that's an amazing thing to witness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm really excited to kind of, like I said, it's, it's, I'm overall really excited. And hopefully we can start seeing some of this content by the fall, winter of 2020. Yeah, we're looking at October, I think is the date that they're holding to for Mandalorian Season 2. Yep. Uh, apparently Season 3 is already like written yeah. type thing 
Um, and it was interesting too in that, that Disney gallery, just uh, another point that comes to mind that bubbles up here. They actually talked about the fact that they had a lot of, they took all the standby characters from the old series, like Ugnaughts, you know, and, and the IG-88 or IG-11, you know, like these standby characters and they expanded them in the Mandalorian and, you know, the ice cream maker that had the best car in it. That's a huge like con joke. Because there's a guy in Empire Strikes Back that runs through the screen when when the Cloud City's being invaded, and he's carrying what's obviously yep. an ice cream maker. Yeah. Then they had to they had to like make an action figure out of him because the fans were just the so... cosplays. It's like he was yeah a legend. Yeah, and and that's the thing, right? That's why there's all these deep cuts, and it was just really funny to see John Favreau sitting with uh, George Lucas on the set. He's like, "Hey, Georgia." Do you, do you remember that that gun that Boba Fett's carrying? I got it from the Christmas special. And he's like, that wasn't me. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> he's just like, I just don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> All right, Phil, I got to ask you. And I know I'm going to be sorry for asking you. Oh, I think boy, you know exactly what I'm going to ask you. As mm-hmm. you take a big, big swig of that Caesar. Oh, no, this is a, a Diet Coke. Oh, well, you just should have. <laughs> said it was still a caesar anyways animal crossing how is animal crossing going man oh man this game i you know we may talk about last of us too previously but you know my daily has been animal crossing and oh my goodness it's just non-stop grinding oh and i've paid off my house now so i'm just putting money in the bank i i actually got to the point where i have no more fossils to get the fossil end of my library is full. The stupid little hooter owl guy is just like, just don't do it. Don't bring me anymore. But I have to bring them to him to get them appraised in order to sell them. All right? Because the little raccoons apparently love fossils. All right? So I just don't get the world of this game as far as, like, and it's my own fault for the way that I play it. And for anybody out there who plays it as well, and I know there's lots of you because we got feedback this week. So, the game isn't really good at telling you how to play it. The game just kind of plops on your console, and then you got to kind of figure it out. They nudge you. It's a Nintendo nudge. They're just like, you know, maybe you want to go over to the other side of the island and talk to this mad person wandering around. You know, and there are days when I'm in that game that I'm not feeling very social. I'm just like, no, I just want to get my fishing done and get the heck out of here. And the game doesn't always play well. Well, unfortunately, I still don't want to play the game. <laughs> I don't blame you. But, you know, I get this feedback from my niece because she's trying to play the game. And she's like, if I didn't tell her what I told her about playing it, she wouldn't know what the heck is going on. And and I look at other people's islands on the Internet and whatnot, and it's different from my island. I think I'm playing it wrong. So I just started crapping it up. This week, I started importing all kinds of different textures and whatnot. I made my island flag the imperial symbol. And I also downloaded, like, the face of Nick Cage screaming. That type of stuff. So I'm just looking to have fun with it now. I've paid off the house. The money's just going to the bank. I I don't know that I want this concert to happen and all this endgame stuff. I, I don't know where this game ends. But, you know, I catch all the fish. I hunt all the bugs. It's just weird at this point, but it's a good distraction during all this quarantine stuff and all this social distancing 
stuff. It, it is still a happy place to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess so. Whatever. <sighs> well, while you were, hey, talk- it doesn't keep me up at night like Last of Us Two. All right. <laughs> while you were talking about some mindless game called Animal Crossing, I was uh, thinking about my new celebrity, my old new celebrity crush. Uh oh. I don't even want to guess. <laughs> Jennifer Connelly. Oh, yes. Jennifer Connelly, yeah. And the reason why she's coming up in my mind and other things is because of Snow Piercer, the TV show on TNT. You like that segue, huh? Oh, that was, that was a beautiful part. <laughs> yeah, you actually, you know what? I mentioned this show, I mentioned this on the show a few weeks ago about Snow Piercer, and I thought I need to watch the movie. And then you DM that to me and you go, we should, we should watch Snowpiercer. And I was prepared for a cavalcade of garbage. Like I was thinking that this is a CW show. No offense to CW show fans, but But it's TNT. It's not CW. I know, but I just thought, you know, here we are for. The Hunger Games on a on a fucking train. <laughs> like honestly, that's what I thought we were going into, and it's not completely disappointing on that front. There's this whole social structure, as far as you know, and social injustice, and a lot of stuff happening. But it actually, is a pretty good story. I gotta say, it's it's no, it's pretty, it's it's very watchable show. Yeah. So just to give a little bit of background, um, Snowpiercer. Uh, is a 1982 French graphic novel by the name of Trans Persenage. Um It was adopted to film in 2013. It was called Snowpiercer. Um, and that film had um, Captain America. What's his name? Chris yeah, Evans. Yeah, Chris Evans. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm trying to like do a thousand things I want. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I, I looked it up, and Chris Evans is in yeah, it. Chris Evans is in it. It's a really good movie. Um, it's kind of like a very, it's pretty serious, um, and it kind of takes place after the, or you know, along the same lines as the as the graphic novel, which I want to pick up now. Um, but the series is actually like a full reboot of the continuity, um, and it follows the passengers of the Snowpiercer. So it's just basically it's this big train. That's a thousand and one cars long, um, and the and, Earth is really cold. All yeah. right, so it's like an ice age has come over the planet, and there's a thousand and one long train car that's circling the world. Yep. Why all does right? it have to circle it? We don't know yet. What happened to the world? I have a theory that this is in the same canon as a day after tomorrow. That's my theory. Oh, yeah, it, you might be and right. And I'm actually but joking. I'm, but <laughs> okay. From me personally, the part that I have the biggest obstacle with. All right. So it, it is what you think it is, people. There's a whole, the back of the train is the back of the train. There's a whole bunch of people that crashed onto it's it. It's Hunger Games and, meets Titanic meets yeah. Captain America. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's got a lot of elements in there. Some good, some bad. The part that I am stumbling on, Boris, and I haven't talked to you about this, but how the hell do you circle the earth on a train? Do you know how difficult it is to get a train from like Vancouver or, you know, Halifax to Toronto and the tracks and the organization and the maintenance 
And my father watches train shows and I see them like monitoring vibration of, of (laughs) the, the brakes monitoring the vibration of everything. And here's this train just plowing through everything. (laughs) We can barely get a train to work from Toronto to Hamilton. For those listeners, that this world, like this train is the answer. (laughs) Like it's not bunkering down. Listen, it's not getting colonizing it space. Place it's get in, on a train. That's the technical technological advancement of that race in this of that universe in that multiverse yeah. world. They can fucking build rail, railway tracks that go around the world. Man, oh man, I just but they're still challenged by the physics of it because they're talking about the momentum of the train and keeping the time and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're really going in trying to propose this as like a viable, sustainable solution. And obviously, as you can guess in the show, it's starting to come apart. We're at five episodes in. It's the more fascinating part to me is the fact that it's Netflix admitting that weekly episodes are a thing to keep audiences watching Netflix instead of dropping a whole season and binging it. It's now going weekly, which is, that's a thing. Like I didn't realize Netflix had done that. Well, they do that for shows that are ongoing, depending on the rights uh, to the various um, networks that they have these contracts with. So in the States, this show is being aired week to week on TNT. So clearly TNT doesn't want Netflix to kind of drop the entire season. Um, so yeah, that's Uh, why it's great seeing Jennifer Connelly doing TV, you know, um, yeah, she's like, you know, that I, I enjoyed her in Alita Battle Angel as well. Yes. It's fun when she crops up in, in different things that I'm not expecting. But, the Hulk, uh, yeah. The first whole movie. Know, 1986 or 88, me is still in love with her from Labyrinth. So, yep. Yep. And the one thing that you see, yeah, the one thing that I, always makes me laugh is anytime they say Mr. Wilford, I just think Mr. Wilford. That's how they would pronounce it. But that's just. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, not going to spoil it, but we, there's some, re- some real stretches in this show. <laughs> and you know what? We will be talking in depth about this show once the season wraps up, but we kind of want to throw it out there that it's a show that you should be watching. It is a fun show. It's 45, 50 minutes of just pure, unadulterated go train havoc. <laughs> yes, it's go train in the winter here in Toronto. Yep. Like I said, we can't we can't get to Hamilton from downtown properly, and yet they're traveling the world many times, once a year. So they do one lap around the world every year. They call it a revolution. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's how they're measuring time in the game, how many revolutions they're on. And on that note, Phil, how about you tell all our awesome listeners how they can get a hold of us? Hey, check out our website. Uh, it's www.itscanonpodcast.com. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. Email show at itscanonpodcast.com. And you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, really anywhere that you get, you know, basically podcast apps. And if you like what you hear so far, make sure that you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that is all for part one of this week's episode. 
we're going to have to figure out a naming convention to make it less crazy for our listeners. But all I'm going to say is part one of this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Part two will be dropping Wednesday at noon. And on that episode, we're going to be talking of the brave new world of theater and cinema and production. And uh, we're going to see how crazy and in-depth we get. So thank you for listening. I'm Boris, and this week I was joined by Phil, and we are the It's Getting Podcast, the podcast that talks about anything and everything, because it's all in In canon. Canon.